Um, as we know, we've come out of COVID and COVID really interrupted the church in regards to uh, reaching the lost, reaching the unchurched. We couldn't invite people. People didn't want to come. No, no one was sure it was going to you know, go on. And, 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 and therefore, it just sort of stifled our thought patterns around evangelism. And I thought it would be good for us as a church to realise the greatest mission the church has is to reach the lost. It's the greatest thing. It's great that we get to heaven, but the plan of God is not that we just get to heaven. We actually help others get there as well. He didn't say, go and make decisions of all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. The difference is a decision gets you to heaven. A disciple helps somebody else get there. That's what he said, make disciples of all nations. And it's important then. People out there are important to God. I, I, I hear people say, well, you know, numbers aren't important. Well, uh, the Bible would contradict that thought pattern. Uh, God says that His plan is that all should be saved. And in in the Greek, uh, the word all actually means all. (laughs) And in Australia, that means a really big number. So we've got this context that doesn't matter how strong we are as a church, there's always somebody else that needs to know Jesus. We can't give up on that, you know. Um, uh, for example, if you had three young children and you were in a shopping mall and you, you were looking at something and they, they scattered, which my children did uh, regularly back in the day. And, um, and, 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 and you can imagine the parents going, oh gosh, we've got to find them. The husband races this way. He finds one of the children, um, uh, brings him back, uh, ties him to a pole. Um, uh, the, the, the mother finds another child and is, you know, patting her and says, it's going to be okay. And the father's going, if you do that again. And, um, uh, and, and then imagine if the father said, let's go home. And then the mother would go, what do you mean, let's go home? We have three children, not two. What if he said, well, numbers don't matter? Who knows, it always matters to the one who's still lost. And so you get this connection or concept of God that His heart is always for those that don't know Him, that, that need Him. Uh, so I've called today's message, Reaching Our World. I probably should have called it Evangelism for Introverts. 80% of the people in this room are like me, they are introverts. Man, extroverts have no problem talking about Jesus or talking about anything to anybody at any time. But most of us are not built like that. I mean, when I get on an aeroplane, my immediate response is to try and get my earphones on so no one will talk to me. Uh, and, And if I don't get them on quick enough and somebody starts talking to me, I take that as a sign from God I should chat with them. So how do, we, how do we do this as believers that, that, that aren't naturally extroverted? I think it's important that there's a plan from God for even introverts to be great evangelists, all right? So how do we, how do we reach this world that's busy, it's crazy? How do we get this great message out to the people around us? Most people out there that don't come to church don't see their own need in a spiritual context. Uh, they see uh, emotional needs, they see physical needs, they see financial needs and cater for them, but they're blind to their spiritual needs. Most don't believe in life after death. And if they do, they don't believe in heaven and hell. As a matter of fact, there are many people that will joke about when they get to hell, they're just going to party uh, with their friends. Uh, see, to me, hell holds no fear to those who don't believe it's true. So we can't scare people into the kingdom. Um, Most people don't even consider their future after the grave. 
There's not even a thought pattern that enters their head. They see the church as a place of no, can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. It's almost like they see God as a cosmic wet blanket trying to stop all of their fun. Or it's a place where weak people go because they need a crutch and they can't stand on their own two feet. Yet the truth is, God has come to bring life eternal and life abundant. God has bring not less life, but more life. Not less joy, but more joy. Not less hope, but more hope. That's what He's come to bring. And if once we understand the need to have that running around in our own lives, and the more we understand that the people out there need it, the more we can be the people that reach people for Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. I don't know any better message that I've ever heard in my whole life than that chapter right there. That is the message of salvation, a free gift from God. We don't deserve it, but He loved us so much. He sent His Son 2,000 years ago to die on a cross, to shed His blood. You can't hold the Saviour of the world on a cross He created unless He wants to be there. And the only thing that held him on that cross was not the nails in his hand, but the vision in his heart to see you and I born again and an eternity in heaven with him. God wants the very best for us. He wants the very best for everybody. He wants us to help others find this very best. He is a good, good, good God. So Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, Last words recorded. This is the last things he says uh, that, that is recorded before he goes and enters heaven. And understand that when somebody says their last thing, it's always probably the most important thing they're going to say. When it's your last words, it's the last thing you're going to say to somebody, it's like crucial. And this is what he says to humankind as his last words. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he says, Amen. In other words, last words. He could have spoke on love. He could have spoke on prophecy. He could have spoke on revelation. He could have spoke on prayer. But his last words to his church were, go and make disciples of the people around you. So in other words, to God, it's probably the most significant mission that the church is here for. Once we are saved, once we are believers in Christ, it's no longer our goal to get to heaven, it's our result. Our goal is to bring heaven to earth so we can see more of earth go to heaven. That's the reason we're here today, the church. I heard somebody say um, recently, he said, preach the gospel wherever you go and sometimes when necessary, use your words. In other words, there should be something about us that stands out. We are in the world, but not of the world. We can't be the same as the world because the world will have no reason to find Jesus if we're the same. 
There's got to be something a little bit different about us. And I'm not saying we're crazy or stupid or going crazy. God's after fruit, not nuts. But I'm saying, I'm saying there should be something that sets us apart from the people out there. Our lives should reflect the ways, the love and the dream of God to the people in our world. In the Old Testament, Solomon built a temple, huge temple. It was to house the presence of God. And um, what they did is they put huge pillars up that held the roof and the ceiling on. And uh, they coated the pillars that held or carried the weight. And I find this fascinating uh, to uh, people that serve in the house of God. They're weight bearers. They carry the load for the presence of God. And then they, they, they covered the pillars in gold. The gold had nothing to do with weight bearing. The gold was forth that when the sun came up in the morning, it would reflect and shine off these pillars and it would shine out around the land to the mountains and the valleys to remind people where the presence of God resided. And there should be something in our lives where we're reflecting the presence of God, the goodness of God to the world around us. It should give reason to others. There should be reason for others to think um, or to explore the possibility that Jesus is alive and God cares about them. That's how we should be living our lives. So to help us all here as introverts, I come up with the three main ingredients uh, to reach the world around you. And the, the reality is you can't reach the world, but you can reach your world. We can't reach, the, but we can reach here. And God's not us to do that, but He's called us to reach here. And I wanna, I wanna speak to you about a story in the Bible I find fascinating. It's a story of Jesus and a guy called Zacchaeus. And it shows us these three ingredients of being an evangelist or, or being somebody. And every believer is called to reach out. It's not just a, a certain group of people, not, not just the extroverts, it's for everybody. Let's read Luke chapter 19, one through nine. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Uh, and like all tax collectors, he was hated, all right? Uh, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a, 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 of short stature. Uh, so he ran ahead, climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, and he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, Jesus looked up into the tree, saw him and said to Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down. He received him joyfully. But when they saw it, this is the people around him, they all complained saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And, uh, and I find it fascinating that people get worried about us hanging with sinners. But the truth is, God's called us to hang with people that don't come to church. We should be in a world where we're making a difference in people's lives. As a matter of fact, that scripture goes on to say that Jesus didn't come for the well, He came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous, He came for the unrighteous. And that's important because we are His church. Zacchaeus goes to great lengths to find Jesus. I find it fascinating, and we'll get to it as I read through story after story uh, about when Jesus walks past somebody, He says, follow me, and they just get up and follow Him. He doesn't even say much. He just says, get up, follow me. Yes, sir. Follow me. Yep. Follow me. Yep. Follow me. Yeah. And that tells you something, because here's Zacchaeus, who goes to great lengths to find Jesus. He climbs up a tree to see Him better. He didn't want to miss His chance. And uh, he'd heard the stories or the whispers or the testimonies of what this man, God, Jesus could do. 
and uh, he wanted to know who this Jesus was. I find it fascinating. It doesn't matter where you hide, God will find you if you're looking for him. He, he will find you in the tree. He, he will see you. God, God sees you. He will see Saul Zacchaeus in the tree. And, uh, and then and I find, and so let's go to the first ingredient. The first ingredient we need to have is our example. All right, we've got to be, we've got to be people that illustrate the goodness of God. And, and for, for Jesus to walk past people over and over again and go, follow me, okay, follow me, okay. Follow. No big preaching, no big messages. They must have saw something about his life. His example means everything. To you and I as a believer, our example is everything. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means we're heading closer to Jesus than we were before. We are going to make, we're not trying to fool the world that we're perfect people. Uh, we're going to just show the world there's a better way to live. Uh, as, a, as, you know, as a pastor, uh, my, my example is incredibly important. As a matter of fact, when Lee and I go shop, we cannot fight in public. We don't know who's watching. We, 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 you, you, because it's important that people see us in the right. I mean, there was a, a time when we just got into ministry and I was, um, we were in a small town in uh, New Zealand, a really small little town. And um, Lee was in a shop because that's what she does. Um, I was standing outside because that's what I do. I, I'm praying she doesn't find anything she likes, you know. Um, and uh, while I'm standing outside, this guy comes to me and says, Oh, you're Pastor Mark Ramsey. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, oh man, I'm so excited to meet you. I, I, City Point Church is amazing. I, I love your preaching. It's changed my life. And we spoke for a little while. And, and I'm feeling really good. And, you know, I'm feeling like good. Like somebody found me in a small town. I was known, you know, like feeling good. Anyway, Lee comes out of the store and, um, and I so, sort of said, I can't believe it. We're in this small town in New Zealand. This guy comes up, he knows who I am. And this is her response. That's great news. I said, why is that? She said, you'll never be able to have an affair anyway. <laughs> I said, that's your takeaway from that conversation <laughs> is that I will not be able to have an affair anywhere because I'm known. So... Example's important. Uh, I remember another time, I'm at the airport and um, something went off about the, in the beeping machine through security and they pulled me aside and I'm standing like this and they got the little wand and they're going over to make sure that I don't have anything illegal on me and, and uh, this girl, she's going over me. She gets about halfway up and she says, oh, by the way, Pastor Mark, that was a great message last Sunday. <laughs> and I'm thinking, dear God, please, there's nothing on me, is there? Please, there's nothing on me. In other words, it's important. Everything we say and do should point to the fact that Jesus is a part of our lives. Whether it be in a parking lot, <laughs> on the road, our conduct, our words, our attitudes. There's, it's not we're perfect, we're not pretending to be so because if we mess up, we understand, we blow it and we make it right. But our example is, we, our example is how we handle life, our ups and our downs how we handle our victories and our challenges, how we handle our friends and how we handle our enemies. They're the things that make a difference when people look at us to see who we really are. And of course, if we're growing spiritually, uh, there should be less downs and more ups, a few more wins and a few less defeats, a few less mess ups and we're moving closer to Jesus. So Jesus' life 
was attractive to people and it attracted people. No big sermons, nothing necessary to, to be overwhelming. Over and over again, he would say, follow me. And somebody would say, okay, follow me, okay. Follow me, okay. That should be the way we desire to live our life. That there's this, you know, imagine, imagine somebody begging, I mean, your hairdresser or your barber or your coffee shop attendant saying, what is it about you? You've got to tell me that, mate, why are you like the way you are? That's where you want to head to. There's somebody really wants to know who makes you the way that you are. You see, that's what we're talking about is our example to people. We've got to be a little bit different to the world. We can't live like the world. We've got to live like Jesus said. All right? Important that we understand our examples, everything. So Zacchaeus is up the tree and then Jesus spots him in the tree and then he starts talking to him. The next part of reaching our world is to engage people. All right, to speak to people, to communicate with people, to make contact, to find a place of connection, uh, to help people, to bless them, to encourage them, to find common ground through food or sport or music or hobbies or family. There's got to be connection points that we engage our world in. Can I set you free today? Bible never told us that we are to save people. It's not our job to save anybody. As a matter of fact, the Bible states explicitly that people come to Jesus because of His goodness. Our job is not to save people. Our job is to engage somebody. And when we engage something, it engages somebody, we allow the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. That's why we pray for one another and not hope for one another. We're not hoping. We've got to engage them. Bible talks about you pray for somebody. You know, oh, I hope they get well. No, no, you pray for them. It's engagement because it's when you engage people, it allows the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. Now, you might not see people get saved or healed right then, but God is going to do something in their lives. But we've got to engage people. We've got to talk to people about things. You know, when I preach in a new church for the very first time, they don't know me, so I've got to, I've got to build a rapport quickly. You know, to make sure that there's a, a sense of engagement. So I, I use a, a joke or I, I, I speak well of their pastors or their church. I, I, I make sure that early on that I'm engaging them because I know in an engagement, that allows the Spirit of God to move. You know, like if I'm in Kansas City, I'm not going to rag on the Kansas Chiefs because <laughs> they'll all hate me there. But I'm in Loveland, Colorado, so it's okay. <laughs> Because if I, if I rag on the Kansas Chiefs here, people are going to love me. <laughs> you see, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's that connection point. It's that ability to find a connection point with people. And, and Jesus was the expert at that. He, he didn't invite Zacchaeus to his house because he didn't have one. He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. There's an engage point. You've got to engage people all the time. Um, this happens with another tax collector called Levi and, uh, and he decides to follow Jesus. Let's have a look at Luke 5, 27 through 32. And the, after these things, he went out, Jesus, and saw a tax collector named Levi uh, sitting at the tax office. And you've got to remember, tax collectors were not popular then. They're not popular now. All right. But what is Jesus goes out of his ways to the tax office. He didn't, he didn't meet him in church. He went, he went sitting in the tax office and he said to Levi, follow me. And what does Levi do? Okay. 
Okay. Everybody? Okay. Follow me? Okay. Follow me? Okay. Follow me? Okay. That's what happens all the time. Fascinates me. So he says, follow me. So what happens? Okay. So he left all and rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave a great feast in his own house and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. Again, you find this connection point of Jesus going to people. Verse 30. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now understand the picture here is that, that Levi uh, sees Jesus. He's something's captivated him. Follow me, Levi. Okay. Um, and and, and what is, he's, not a, he's not a preacher. He's not a worship leader. He doesn't own skinny jeans. Um, uh, but he can do something. And what does he do? He decides, you know what? I can engage my tax collecting friends by having a party at my place. And he invites them all to the party and invites Jesus and the disciples to the same party so they can engage non-church people. So there's a a picture in here of how, and understand, Jesus prayed, but most of the time he was with unchurched people. Jesus worshipped, but he was with unchurched people. He walked the streets, going to tax offices, looking up in trees uh, to find people that needed to know him. He didn't know much about God, but he reckons he can engage a few people and throws the party. You know, even when I play golf with unchurched people, um, it's about the fourth or fifth hole that somebody will sort of go, oh, hi, Mark, um, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and it's always my time of revelation when I say, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And that, that, it blows their mind because the first four holes, they've been swearing, cursing, telling dirty jokes, drinking too much uh, fireball. Um, and, um, and, and then by the time they ask that, there's this, this sense of, oh, dear Jesus, you know, like, my gosh, we're playing with a pastor. Uh, the lightning's going to strike us down. We've been swearing and cursing and telling dirty jokes. And it's, then I have them in the palm of my hands. Um, and I'm able to share the wonderful grace and mercy of for sinners with Jesus. Um, uh, but again, it's that point of engagement, that, that there's a connection point with people. Our job is not to save people, but to engage people, to talk to them, to be around them, to encourage them, to help them. So Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, engaging him. Then he says to Zacchaeus, he said, come down. You know, we're, going to your, we're going to your house for dinner. Come down. And that brings us to number three ingredient of reaching our world is invitation. Inviting somebody. Nothing, <laughs> nothing ever transpires until there is an invitation. Nothing ever transpires. I mean, you, you, and it's a scary ground when you've got to ask the question. If you're a salesman and you've got to finally ask the question, would you like to try our product? It's scary because there is the, the sense of, well, no or yes can happen. So as believers, we back away from invitation because we're scared of a, of a bad response. We're scared of a negative, because we think we've got to get everybody saved. Our job is not to save anybody. Our job is to engage people. To, remember you were 16 or 17, and you want to invite that girl to the prom? The, the, the sweat, 
The, 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 the panic. What if, what if she says no? What, what, that horrible thought, oh, I'll be embarrassed, I'll be, just feel terrible. If I knew then what I know now, I would have just asked every girl to the problem. And there's thousands of them. One of them is going to say yes. Man, if you knew now... No, they, I mean, really, because we're just the one, the one, and he thought, if, if it's, not, you know, and the whole point is we get so scared of invite because of, the, of the, the sense of defeat or failure around our lives. <coughs> and most believers don't invite people to church or to Jesus because they're scared of a negative response. So don't do it. There's no, pre- Jesus said the harvest is ripe. Understand, our job was not to ripen the harvest, it's to find ripe harvest. So you could invite 20 people to church and 19 say no. And it's never about the 19 that say no. It's about the one that says yes. That's the important thing because there is somebody waiting to find Jesus. And unless we're engaging them, we're not going to find that ripe harvest. And that's where we're going to find this new sense of liberty that if they all say no, it doesn't matter. It's okay. God's not judging me because I didn't get anybody saved. He just wants us to invite people into the house of God. Would you invite somebody this week? to church, to, to your home, to a life group. Invite them somewhere, do something. Because you know what happens? It's through invitation that transformation takes place. I want you to hear that. It's through, it's through invitation that transformation takes place. It's not about the no's, it's about the yes. It's not my responsibility to convince anybody, only to invite them. In John ch- chapter 1, Verse 43 through 49 says this. Um, and the following day, Jesus went to go to Galilee and he found Philip, all right? And, uh, and he said to Philip, follow me. And what did Philip say? Okay. Okay. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, Philip, after he said, okay, um, he found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what, and what did Nathaniel said, said to him? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so this guy's going, man, I found Jesus. Man, it's just awesome. I can't believe it. He's the Messiah. He saved me. And you need to come. You, need, you know, it's amazing. He says, can anything good come out of, out of you know, out of uh, wherever he was? And... Um, uh, and it's like, well, you know, I've tried church. I, I didn't, you know, well, can anything good come out of going to church? That sort of response. So there and then is where we go, all right, sorry, didn't want to you know, upset you or disappoint you, but not here. Philip said to him, now this is it, engagement, then invitation. Come and see, right? Don't just give up because somebody says, oh, I've tried that or I didn't like it or it didn't work for me. No, you've got to invite somebody. Come and see. Look, it doesn't matter what your experience is. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, it doesn't matter whether you're in the tree or under the tree, Jesus sees you. You can be in the, it doesn't matter, he's going to see you. Under the, doesn't matter. I saw you under the tree. Under the, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. 
In that spot, we see this revolution or revelation of who Jesus is and He becomes born again right there and then. Why? Because transformation comes after invitation. Come and see. Just have a look. Just test. Just come and see what God can do. Can I encourage you? Our job is not to save the world. It's just to tell somebody. And if you can be somewhat of an example, an honest person, but an example, if you, if you, if you can get around unchurched people, it's not a bad thing to have unchurched friends. It's something Jesus got into trouble for all of the time. And, uh, and then you can invite people to see the wonder of God. You're starting to change your world. You're starting to reach your world. And you will see people saved. You know, I was thinking this week, if you invited 10 people to church, one might just come. Just one. But that's the one that God meant to come. He was waiting for somebody to ask them. The other nine weren't ready. They weren't waiting, but one is. And that one will never get that invite unless we engage. Or whether they see you as somebody worth listening to. Example, without example, you lose credibility. Does anybody trust any politician anymore? You don't believe that they've lost credibility. Do you trust any news channel? No, because they've lost credibility. There's no example backing them. It's not, you just know that it's not real and you're not listening. So we've got to have some sort of credibility that, that allows people to say, and when you say, follow me, they, I'm going to come and find out about this Jesus. Let's be that church, the church that reaches our world. Since that's what God called us to do. It's not a, our result is heaven. Our goal is to reach people. Let's not get it mixed up. Our goal is not heaven once you're a believer. That's your result. You're here to tell others, to invite them, to let them know about the goodness of who our God is. So to bow heads, close your eyes. Lord, I thank You for every person here today. I pray that boldness will be upon their lives. Courage, God, to reach out and just, just live the life. Just talk to a few people that are not going to church and invite them along. Just see what happens. Come and see. Come and see. Because transformation takes place after invitation. With eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to make an invitation for people here today that maybe don't know Jesus. Or maybe did back in the day but walked away from God and here you are and something's stirring again. It's not because we're bad or evil, it's because we get tricked or derailed and we end up in wrong places thinking wrong things. And the greatest thing about God is it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, He's not angry, He's not mad at you. He loves you, always has, always will. He's just waiting for you. Would you come? Would you believe what the Bible says? If you believe upon Jesus, you shall be saved. Saved out of your past, saved into your future saved into an eternity with God, you'll be saved today. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but this morning I'd love to pray with those who say, you know what, I need to come home. I need to come back, reconnect, recommit my life. Or for the very first time, you know what, today I'm taking the step. I want to believe upon Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you're one of those two types of people. Or maybe you're not even sure about your destiny or eternity. Maybe you're that person. So those three types of people, I'm going to ask you in a moment to lift your hand and give me a wave so then I know who I'm praying with today for their salvation and their future. So right now, you say, you know what? I need to know Jesus. I need to come back. I, I want to be sure of my eternity. Would you slip your hand up? Just give me a wave wherever you're seated today, from the front to the back. I see that hand at the back. Of, it's a great decision there today. 
Others today, if that's you from the left to the right, just slip your hand up, give me a wave. Looking one more time. Again, understand, I, I can see your hand. God sees your heart and He knows you. He can find you under the tree, in the tree. He's just waiting for you. Father, as I looked, I saw a hand go up. But it's not what you saw. You saw your creation. You saw the heart open up towards you. And in this moment in time, a miracle starts to take place. Something deep within our soul, a spiritual enlightenment, aliveness comes into our heart. We are forgiven of every sin, every failure, every mistake. It's remembered never again. You promised you'd love us so completely and tightly we become sons, daughters of the Most High God. And the Bible declares proudly that when one comes home, heaven stops what it's doing and it celebrates. So I know heaven celebrates for this person and so do we here at City Point, Northern Colorado, in Jesus' Name. And all that agreed said, Amen. Let's give that decision a great hand. Welcome to the Kingdom. Welcome to the family of God.